0: We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership. It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Today's guest is Chris Shorter. Chris is the City Administrator of the City of Baltimore. Welcome to the podcast, Chris.
1: Jonah, thank you so much. I'm uh, very excited to be here, very excited to uh, be in conversation with you.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to catching up and hearing a bit of your story. First of all, Can you fill our listeners in on what you do as as city administrator and also for those outside uh, Baltimore, outside the U.S. even? um, Tell us a little bit about the city of Baltimore as well.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, So uh, I am actually the first city administrator in the history of the city of Baltimore, especially for those who uh, who are not in the United States. Some of our cities, especially our older cities, Uh, function in a strong mayor system, and that is to say uh, there is is no city manager. So in America, a lot of our big cities, especially on the West Coast, are managed by a professional city manager. That is someone who went to school uh, and has been in the profession of city management um, throughout their career. Uh, They are usually appointed by a council. Uh, In the city of Baltimore, just like Washington DC and New York and other big cities on the East Coast, uh, the the cities are led by a strong mayor. And that is to say that the mayor is the chief executive of the city. Uh, And so here in Baltimore, uh, our city is led by Mayor Brandon Scott, and I was appointed by him to uh, manage the day-to-day operations of the city. Uh, It's a phenomenal uh, role. Uh, It is a history-making role because I am the first, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and I will say a very complex role. I'm sure we'll get into uh, into that uh, during this uh, time together, Jonah. Uh, But uh, but that's a bit about
0: uh, that's a bit about the role. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, and tell us about Baltimore.
1: Sure. Yeah. So you know, and I would encourage listeners to come visit the city. You really don't understand uh, until you're here, and I'm speaking from experience, uh, how beautiful the city is uh, from an architectural perspective. It is one of the oldest cities in the country, and so you can imagine uh, walking through some of the residential streets, especially in some of the commercial corridors, uh, you see some amazing architecture. Um, The city today is made up of of just over 580,000 residents. Uh, making it one of the largest uh, cities in the country. Uh, and uh, it is a, like I said, a strong mayor council form of government. Um, we, uh, we have professional sports teams. Uh, we have a, 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 a very healthy uh, convention uh, convention center circuit uh, and just an exciting city. We sit for, for those who are not in the United States uh, just uh, just about 50 miles from Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Uh, we are also very close to New York City uh, and Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, so very close to some pretty major cities uh, on the East Coast. Um, it is a city of neighborhoods. Uh, I, that was the one, one of the first things that I, I would say I uh, understood in terms of the uniqueness of the city, that every neighborhood, uh, has its own very unique feel. and uh, and as I am getting to know Baltimore, uh, it really does and has started with me getting to know individual uh, individual communities.
0: Yeah, incredible. Thank you for sharing about that. I, I, I think um, it's always great to hear a little bit about when you're in such a, a you know an important role in a in a city. It's great to hear a bit of an overview about the place. So thank you for that. Uh, let's chat about your story, Chris. So, To start with, take us back to growing up, you know, to your childhood. What are some of the moments or even themes that shaped you into becoming the leader and the person you are today from that season of your life?
1: Really appreciate that question, John. And I'll say I appreciate it, because it was my childhood that led me into public service. Um, uh, As a 13 14 year old uh, growing up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and and I was an athletic uh, kid and played sports, particularly football. And we used to, as a a team, go from school to school, you can uh, imagine, to play other teams. And it did not take long, I think, like I said, 13 or 14, uh, before I started realizing and really coming into, um, you know, sort of my own in terms of understanding the environment around me Realizing how different uh, some neighborhoods were treated, and how uh, how different some neighborhoods were invested in, and so I would go to these communities with tree-lined streets and beautiful big homes and schools with amazing facilities, um, and really reflect on you know sort of my neighborhood and where I grew up and how uh, how my facilities at, at the school that i attended um looked and felt and i realized again as a kid that i i felt like the city should do better uh, and it should be doing better mm. no matter where you lived uh and and so uh as a 14 year old i knew i wanted to make cities better places to live and grow and learn and experience and, and work so uh, and have and I've been blessed to to stay on that path um, throughout my professional career.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible. Thank you for sharing a little bit about that season. Uh, what was your first significant leadership opportunity? Obviously, there's those chances where we think um, it's uh you know I probably had the chance to do some leadership there, but the first time you really led a team, had people, maybe you're working for you or you were really in charge of a project, Mm. what comes to mind?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I don't, when you, when you asked that question, as you were asking the question, I was thinking initially of titles. Uh, So when I held um, my first really executive title, Um, but I think the deeper question is really when I was in a, in a role where I felt responsible. Um, and I, I would say before I was a, you know, chief operating officer or chief of staff or, uh, or in an executive role, uh, I was, I was an operations manager for the boys and girls clubs of greater Washington, um, a nonprofit based in Washington, DC, but with, um, sort of services in the region. And it was, you know, I did not have, I did not have a team. Uh, it, it was manager by title only, <laughs> uh, but I had a pretty significant sort of role in terms of influence in the, uh, in the region. And, and so I, as a young professional, really felt the responsibility, the weight of, uh, of getting things done in a nonprofit that was really st- strained with resources. And I learned a lot uh, in that role, uh, a lot about young people, and uh, certainly a lot about uh, getting uh, inspiring others who don't formally report to you. Um, and so it was a real leadership lesson, and I've had a lot of leadership lessons over over the you know over the last few decades. But there, I would say, while I did not uh, manage staff, uh, I had a pretty significant sort of uh, responsibility in terms of influencing staff to get things positive done. Uh, So that's the position I think I would say was the first uh,
0: in terms of leadership. Yeah, so you you had a sense of responsibility without the title of authority in terms of um, leading a group of people. Is that kind of right? It is.
1: uh, It is.
0: I love that because I think there'd be a lot of leaders listening who might be frustrated because they find themselves in a role like that. How did you how did you find leading in that sort of place without the title? Was there anything challenging about that? Was there anything you learned about how to do that from that role?
1: You know, one of the biggest lessons, I appreciate this question very much because uh, even now where I'm in an organization. Our government is made up of about 14,000 employees. Um, uh, the lessons that I learned really as a young professional uh, who didn't necessarily have staff uh, or people that reported to me, um, I am still u- using those lessons today. And so uh, I think the biggest one is that, you know I had to listen more than I talked. Uh, and because when, you know, some a group or team doesn't report to you, you really need to be able to make the case um, for why your ideas, uh, why your, uh, your service, why your program will make things easier or better uh, for them. And so you have to almost become a salesperson. Uh, so uh, uh, to influence others. And I will say today. Uh, and even throughout my career, that skill, the skill of not necessarily, um, leveraging or working from your title, but instead of working as a, uh, as an, as an equal, a co-conspirator, <laughs> um, that it gets you much further, uh, with, with, uh, with colleagues and with teams, uh, than, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's so good. I, I, um, I think that approach, that collaborative, I like what you said, the co-conspirator approach is great. Um, And I think that's one of the challenges of of leadership is to, you know, leaders often talk about wanting their people to be more bought in, you know, they want to see the the fire in their eyes like that, like they have. And I think um, the, the, the sort of, the other side of that coin is you have to be willing to really invite people into the processes to really open up your hands and some of the things that you're set, you know, you you feel like you're they're immovable, but maybe just open your hands to actually let let others contribute. And um, it's it's hard to do, but the the win that you get is you really do get that buy in from people and that collaboration.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's right, John I I completely agree, and and I've experienced it directly.
0: Mm. Um, So as we as we fast forward from there, I'm interested in any aha moments so far in your career, Chris. You know, some of those moments that it's a turning point or or a tipping point where you go, oh wow, oh my goodness, Um, you know, I saw a leader do that, or I was a leader and I. I dropped the ball here, or this went better than I could have hoped. Whoa, what's going on there? Um, and they really burn into your memory some of those some of those moments. Does, does anything like that come to mind?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think about in terms of aha, the, one of the biggest and one of the first that come that come to mind as you were asking that question. <clears throat> my first uh, local government job in Washington D.C was with the deepest end of our juvenile justice system. And I'll say that uh, the deepest end of the juvenile justice system in Washington DC at that time um, was filled with young people who were disconnected uh, and failed by many of our public systems. They did not go to school. They uh, in some cases were in foster care and was not successfully matriculating. as young people through uh, through any system, and so really some just tragic stories, and also some some amazing stories of young people who prevailed. Uh, and uh, I I served in the that system for about four years, four four and a half years, as uh, as first as a special assistant, but then as eventually as a chief of staff and chief operating officer. Um, I really learned a lot of it, again, about how young people are treated uh, uh, and how we as adults need, to, uh, need to, to work on behalf of and advocate for young people. Uh, I will tell you that after I left the deep end system, we, call, we refer to as the Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services, I matriculated through the government. Uh, in other leadership roles. Uh, I was the deputy director of our office of special education. Uh, I was a chief operating officer for our health department. Um, and eventually the, a, a, a new mayor was elected, um, who is actually still the mayor of Washington DC, Mayor Muriel Bowser, and uh, asked me to go temporarily lead our department of public works. Up to that point in my career, I had primarily served in health or human services roles and was not an expert in public works at all. And so I was hesitant. But when a mayor uh, asks you to do something, you don't really say no. (laughs) So I, um, I went to the department as the interim director. And what I realized after just a few weeks of being In the Department of Public Works, was that uh, many of the young people who I was advocating for, I would say seven, eight, nine years before I made it to Public Works, were now working for me, or I should say, with me, uh, in Public Works. It it is it was an amazing aha moment because what it sent the messages sent to me as a leader is that while we have significant work to do to keep our city beautiful and clean and to pick up the trash and to make sure that we are reducing the amount of waste being generated in the city, Uh, that as a leader, I also had a responsibility to the workforce, that these were men and women who needed their employer uh, to see them as people, uh, to see them as valuable. And because I had this sort of real connection, seeing, you know, knowing many of them you know as teenagers um uh that i felt responsible uh, for making sure that we were that we did as as much as we could for them uh to make sure that they had what they needed to do um the best job for the city so it wow. really, yeah it really created a, a a a a lens if you will in me uh, where i really focused in on making sure that we did our, you know we, we we were a good employer uh, and treated our workforce well
0: yeah that's that's incredible uh, thank you thank you for sharing that Chris it's um yeah I, I'm interested to know there's some great aha moments thank you for sharing those um, when it comes to mentors or leaders who you have admired from afar or worked with and just really appreciated um, who comes to mind anyone or a few people that, that you can think of?
1: Oh, that list is very long, <laughs> John. <Jump. laughs> uh, I have been inspired by so many people um, who have been mentors uh, or, um, or administrators or leaders far uh, far farther away. I would say, you know, first person that comes to mind is uh, Dr. Frederick Humphreys. He was the president of my uh uh, Florida a and University, where I went to undergrad, um, and just a phenomenal leader. Uh, he, he was uh, he he was so personable, but also uh, just a genius. I would say in terms of the way he um, advocated for the university. He he personally, uh, you know, you don't hear about this from university presidents, from college presidents. He would personally come to the homes of National Achievement Scholars students who were 11th, 12th grade, and recruit like almost like a sports team. <laughs> personally, recruit them, talk to their 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 parents, uh, tell them why Florida a and is the best university for them, uh, and you know it it really paid off. My the, my freshman year at Florida a and we actually. Had more National Achievement Scholars uh, than uh, uh, African American National Achievement Scholars than Harvard at the time in, in 1996. So, so he incredible. really, yeah, it's absolutely stunning and uh, and really a testament to Frederick Humphreys as a leader uh, and a big and a champion and cheerleader for the university. So he he is always someone who comes to mind when I think of leader um, and champion.
0: Yeah, I love that story. Uh, are there any other stories of how he led that come to mind with, uh, you know, the way he handled different stakeholders, the way he led, uh, you know, the student body, um, the way he invested in other leaders, uh, you know, any, any other stories about him that, that you remember?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, so, you know, he, uh, at so at the time, uh, Florida A&M is a historically black college college. Um, in Florida, uh, in, and this is often the case, uh, H, what we refer to as HBCUs are oftentimes um, not resourced properly. Uh, they are not getting the funding from their states uh, for those who are public institutions. And so uh, we find ourselves as universities oftentimes sort of uh, under-resourced and sometimes significantly under-resourced. And so, I saw a university president. I saw a, a Frederick Humphreys that was uh, an amazing fundraiser. Uh, he promote. He really endorsed his leadership team. Uh, um, I can remember going to university conventions and seeing him promote. The vice. And by promote, I mean really um, seeing the praises of his executive leadership team. Uh, uh, call out specific professors for doing amazing work or being, you know, uh, recognized by uh, by other institutions, and uh, and he did the same for students. So often, I mean, not often, but sometimes we see leaders who are really good at one aspect of leadership, but not as strong and good at other aspects of leadership. And what I will say is that for him. What I appreciated so much and why I remember his style and approach to leadership so much is because he really, uh, you know, uh, I would say that he was good at all. Like I, I didn't, you know, and yes, I was a student and uh, and young in my sort of uh, lens on leadership, but he was able to touch um the big crowds, and also a one-on-one, um, and and uh, and he did it with university administrators and professors, with his board, with the state, and with students. So really, there were no limits. And he used to walk around campus and sit in the come and sit in the classrooms when he could. Um, and so it really he was a well-rounded leader. And I think this is what we are called to do, especially in the public sector today. Uh, actually, I wouldn't limit it to the public sector. I think in general, uh, leaders are uh, being called on to not be one dimensional, but to be able to really communicate to, to, to different crowds and at different levels uh, of the organization. Um, and so he certainly displayed that.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that um, wonderful, wonderful stories uh, about his leadership. Well, I want to jump into Leadership Express, Chris, and just ask you a handful of questions. Are you ready? I think
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, first question. What is a book that you've gifted to other people?
1: it's hmm. a great question. Uh, the last book I gifted, uh, it was a book called uh, The Last Child in the Woods, and uh, it really is a book about um, how much our relationship with nature and natural and a sort of the natural world has shifted, especially for young people. We use tablets and electronics, and young people are not playing out, outdoors or in parks as much. And so, um, I uh, it was a gift to the director of our recreation and parks department in Austin, Texas, and uh, and so I. Um, yeah, I—that's I, I, the first book that comes to mind. But I have a pretty long list of books that I've uh, given away. Well, and received.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Okay, next, next question: What is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of?
1: Mm. Um, reminded of how how important it is to listen more than you speak. And I say that mm. to say, I am in a new environment here in Baltimore city. And yes, I have had the privilege of serving in multiple cities in a very senior, uh, senior role, uh, but I do not assume, I have not assumed that I, I, I have, I'm an expert in Baltimore. And so it's been important to, uh, for me to listen and make sure that I am um, that I'm doing more of that than I am talking. Uh, and so it's a leadership lesson I learned early and uh, it certainly is very relevant today
0: yeah that's uh, that's great thank you thank you for sharing that do you have any favorite questions that you ask in a one-on-one uh, meeting with one of your people in an interview with with someone you're looking to hire in a team are there any just favorite questions hmm uh,
1: I I, uh, I almost always ask questions what brought them to public service? Um, I think there are so many unique ways of, of coming into this into this work, especially local government and uh, especially uh, uh, cities in particular. Uh, and it's always it's always a opportunity to uh, find commonality. Um, and so I find, I'm, I'm often asking that question um, as I get to know you question in, in interviews.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's great. Uh, what about a great piece of advice you've received? Could be about leadership, but also generally in life. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that uh, that your journey is your own. I think uh, it is helpful always to look at others uh, to learn lessons from from watching, um, you know, mentors and having. Um, leaders that you follow, uh, but it is important to always recognize that your journey, the path that you are um, fo- following is your own path. And so um, it was great advice early on. It, it has led me to make some great decisions about uh, when it was time to move on uh, or when it was you know, uh, time when it was necessary to stay within an organization or within a city so uh it was great advice and i'm i still use it
0: yeah that is great advice Uh, i love that and what about a movie or tv show that really impacted you Uh, it could be something serious that was really profound or something just switch off you know uh that that was that was just a lot of fun that you really appreciated
1: jonah these are great questions (laughs) (laughs) they're so diverse you know You, you we go uh from serious to uh, to, te- you know, I, I would actually. <laughs> I, uh, there was a show called A Different World. Uh, mm. It was like a spinoff of the Cosby Show, and it was about historically black. Uh, historically, it was set in a historically black uh, college, and mm. that was it. Opened my eyes to uh, really to uh, to college and to college life um and uh and so it was a it was an amazing show very funny and and fun and um i'd also say there was an american show called the west wing um mm. set in the white house um and uh really for those who had um you know a sort of a a warm heart for for public service i think that show just really um uh, yeah, it, yeah it, it set the stage, at least for me, uh, to uh, to love the work that I do and to believe uh, in, uh, you know, in the role um, of leaders in the lives of everyday residents.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that is such a good show. Um, they're, they're great recommendations. Thank you. <laughs> Last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say?
1: Hmm. I, I, well, I think've've've I've, I've, uh, I've said it and that and I'll reiterate that uh, mm. that we, as young leaders, as more mature leaders, we should listen more than we're we're talking. Um, there's a time to uh, to be an executive and to make executive decisions, to lead your organizations, uh, to push the envelope uh, in into new directions. Uh, but I will. I will also say there are times when you need to listen to, especially the employees who've been around for a little while, uh, and who know the organization, know the customer base. In my case, know the residents that we serve. Mm. Uh, it is very, uh, it is very helpful uh, throughout your career as as a young professional, as a mid-career uh, uh, professional, and certainly as an executive. Uh, to always have the ability to walk in a room and Mm. and take uh and take what's there in terms of uh, understanding and so
0: yeah yeah wonderful well this has just been so much fun chris i've loved uh hearing some of your story and 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 chatting about uh you know just some great leadership principles for those who've really enjoyed this and want to connect with you online you know linkedin or twitter um, or, or find out more about the city of Baltimore. Where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, uh, on LinkedIn, I, uh, I am under Chris Shorter, and I, I am listed. It's a public, uh, a public profile as the administrator for the city of Baltimore. Please feel free to to tag me or um, or request my friendship. Um, yeah, you could also, you know, find the the, the great work that's being done by going to the baltimorecity.gov website. Um, there's so much happening in the city. I will tell you, I feel like this is such a wonderful time uh, to be in and around Baltimore City. Uh, so please mm. do, uh, you know, um, stay tuned. Stay tuned.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. It's been great to find out a, a, a little bit about Baltimore too. Always good to, uh, you know, there might be someone who's listening and just tossing up where to where to travel to, and you may not have been on their radar, and it's great for them to to consider Baltimore as a place to to go and uh, and enjoy some of the things you have there. Um, well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And uh, this has been a really fun episode and just great leadership advice uh, and, and stories from Chris. Don't forget, listeners, we also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and Leadership Question of the Day podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Chris for being so generous with your time, uh, for just share, uh, sharing some wonderful stories from... Your from from your past and and uh, and just about some great leaders around you and great leadership principles. It's been a real joy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh, Jonah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles in different industries answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership.